1 John chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 11. First John chapter three, verse eleven. <laughs> All right. Bible says, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew him? Excuse me. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto the life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, as we continue through this epistle that John wrote to the this church who had some false doctrine kind of coming into, into the walls of it, causing problems, we're going to keep reiterating the same theme. And, and we had some people in it that left, that left the church. And think about that. They left the church because they kind of got ingrained in this false doctrine and there started to be some conflict within the church, so they chose to leave. And we, we talked about that, which in some sense, good, right? It's good that they left. It's good that they left because if they're trying to uh, convert or persuade into a false doctrinal area, we need those people to leave. We don't need that within a church, right? We, you know, we need the teaching to be consistent and biblical. So it's good that they left, but think about this. This church, I don't know how long it was there, but it was there for a little bit of time. And just like this church, your family, right? And this was a small church, not even compared to the size we are, but they were family with these people. This, these are folks that they knew, that they socialized with, that they fellowshiped with, that they loved. And then they left. So can you imagine maybe what type of feeling the people who remained had? You know, if a family member just walks out on you, that's going to hurt. If you truly love these people, it's going to hurt. And you're going to start questioning, well, are we doing the right thing? You know, it wasn't just one that left, it was multiple. I mean, if it was one, maybe that's just a, you know, one thing. But if it was multiple people, 
Oh, are they on to something? Have they figured out something that we are missing? You're going to start questioning yourself, aren't you? It's just human nature. And here comes John to write this epistle to say, <laughs> whoa, slow down. Slow down. Here's some ways for you to tell if you're on the right track. Remember? Are you loving your brethren? All right, yeah, yeah. Are you obeying Christ's commandments? You doing what Christ told you to do? Yeah. Are you born of righteousness? Do your works, do your, does your attitude have that sense that, you, remember we, we covered this in the last few lessons, but it's been a few weeks, you were adopted by God at salvation, and because you were have that spiritual adoption, you have the traits of God in you now the traits of God. Just like a, a son or a daughter has the traits of their father and their mother, when you were born again, you now possess the Holy Spirit and the traits of God, that righteousness that can only be um, partaken unto you through God. That's the only way you can get that. So John's kind of given them these things to think about by saying, okay, no, don't get caught up in this other stuff. Don't get caught up in the, the heretics and the false teachings. Just stay with what you were taught. You've heard it from the beginning. Verse 11 tells us that right up front. Verse 11, for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of what? Well, beginnings in the Bible, we may think, well, from, from the beginning, from creation. Well, that's, I, most commentators don't think that's what John referring to. Was he referring to the beginning of Jesus' ministry? Most likely. He's saying, you've known this from the, from the beginning, what Jesus has taught from the beginning of his ministry. And he's also referring to the point, you were taught this from the beginning when you entered this church. Yeah. You come to church, you were taught the gospel. You were taught what Jesus, his teachings are. Stay focused on that. Don't, don't start adding stuff to it. And boy, we have a tendency to do that. I, especially, I think, nowadays. But even then, first century, early churches, they were having that same issue. Don't You don't need to add a bunch of stuff. We, we just want to throw a bunch of stuff on top of it because, well, if I stick with what he taught, I have this, and that's going to be an issue. So we'll throw this thing on there so it makes me feel a little less guilty about this issue or something. There's some way we always want to to adjust it to suit our needs. It's less it's more palpable. You know, we have those that now teach and we talked about this several weeks ago, teach a a light side to the gospel where we don't teach sin and the consequences. And John covered that a couple of weeks ago, right? We don't teach hell and the judgment that sin produces and that that final judgment that you will face 
No, we don't even go there anymore because it tends to offend folks. Well, why does it offend folks? It offends the ones probably that need to hear it, right? <coughs> Excuse me. You don't need to know what's in the cup. <laughs> And John tells us, again, he says, end of verse 11, you've heard this message from the beginning, that ye love one another. We've heard this over and over now through 1 John, haven't we? I already taught on it several times. Here we go again. He's saying, just keep loving people, you know? You may be, you had these family members in this church and they've left. I'm certain there were some hard feelings over this. There probably was. And there probably was those within the church that had a feeling of hate even toward these people. You know? How dare they do this? And John's coming back saying, no, you're to love them. You're still to love them. Remember, you have that trait of righteousness in you. You have the Spirit of God in you. And in Him is no hate. In Him is love. You can't bring hate into it. He gives us an illustration here. Verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and therefore slew he him, and wherefore slew he him. Why Why did he slay his brother? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Flip over to Genesis 4 real quick. And we'll read that. It's not a long account. Genesis 4, verse 1. And Adam knew his knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Think about this for a second. At this point in the biblical history, how many people are present on earth? Four, right? That's it. That's it. Do you think Adam and Eve brought Cain and Abel up with the same religious um, veracity? You know, they had. Remember, Adam and Eve told stories of walking in the garden with God, and they would think they would have told Adam or uh, Cain and Abel about this. Absolutely. So they Adam or uh, Cain and Abel were brought up similar with similar religious mindsets. And at the time, what's the only other death that occurred in Scripture leading up to this point? Only other death. Well, of course, we have the, the fall. But when God came and slew the animal to put clothes on Adam and Eve, at that point, that's the only um, physical death that occurred in Scripture. Now, when God did that, He showed them an example of what it is for sacrifice, right? 
So if you're going to do a sacrifice, this is how it's done. You know, and he gave the example of an animal and the blood from the animal. And we get to, so we know that as they were brought up, they were brought up with understanding how to give a sacrifice unto God. And that it's a blood sacrifice. They would have known. So, you know, Cain knew the right way to give that sacrifice unto God. But he chose to take an easy way, right? I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, by just giving of the toil of what I produced. Instead of maybe just asking Abel, hey, got an extra sheep that I could use for a sacrifice? Or how about I, I trade you some of my grain for one of your sheep? Because I want to have a sacrifice for God, a right sacrifice. Anything tell us that Cain wouldn't have said, yeah, absolutely, brother. I'll help you out. No, Cain didn't do that. He brought something that wasn't what he was taught to bring. This wasn't an accident. It wasn't uh, God hadn't told him how to do sacrifices, and at this point, Cain and Abel bring sacrifices, and Abel's is good, Cain's is bad, and he hadn't told them before how to do it. No, it was bad and there was judgment on Cain for that because he had told them the right way to do it up to this point. And the Lord said unto Cain, verse 6, Why art thou wroth, and why is their countenance fell? Of course, when God rejected Cain's sacrifice, yeah, <clears throat> now we got anger starting to build up, jealousy with Abel, right? Jealousy, you know, between brothers. Boy, how many times you see that in families? You know, somebody has something or gets some recognition that they don't, and it just starts building this jealousy, and that seed starts just growing and growing. Verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Remember that jealousy, that anger is building up in Cain. Abel brought a blood sacrifice for God. Did it the right way. Cain brought uh, toil from the ground that he had produced. And God said, no. No, that's not the right way. And that anger just boiled up in Cain now. When I, when I read this and was studying it this week, I've always seen this we, we, we just can't help ourselves. When we see this depicted in art or movies, there's always Cain has this rock, and he just kind of smashes him like that. Is that kind of what you guys remember seeing mostly? That's not the way this went down. Not the way this went down. If you look at these words here, when they say slew him, that is actually depicting the cutting of the neck, the jugular even. This was a violent, bloody attack. He was butchered, basically. 
And you have Cain going, okay, God, you want a blood sacrifice? Here. Comes up behind him and just slits his throat. That's the depiction here. That's how much anger he had toward God and toward Abel. You know, it just blows your mind. In verse 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? I love that. Love that verse. And of course the answer is, Yes, he is. But we have that anger. That anger. Um, and you know, off on a, a very briefly, uh, verse 4 back in, uh, or I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1, it said, And Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain. Or I'm sorry, it was in verse, it was in John. John chapter 3, 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. <clears throat> Early churches actually taught that. Cain was born by a um, spiritual conception with, between Satan and, and Eve. That's what our early churches actually taught that. There's nothing biblical that supports that. No, Satan just came upon Cain and got in his head the same way he did with Eve at the temptation at the fall. So, uh, But it's just an interesting note uh, that I heard and read when I was doing the study. But Satan's always behind hate, isn't he? He's always behind hate because God's always behind love. Remember, we even talked about this uh, several weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. Love for your brethren isn't just not hating them. You have to actually love them. There's no spectrum there. No spectrum there. Um, verse 13. John continues, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Remember, he just gives this uh, illustration. We, Abel, Abel did the right things. He did right. He did what God wanted him to do, and he was slain for it. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything to Cain. He didn't do anything to deserve to be killed. He did what God wanted him to do, and he was hated for it. And John's given us that example. He goes, don't be surprised. The world's going to hate you for who you are and for who you're following. And that's Jesus. These people that left the church, they're going to hate you because you're not buying into what they want to uh, want you to believe. You're buying into what we're teaching you the right way, and they're gonna don't be surprised if they hate you. Remember, they crucified Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now this is this is also is interesting, and we've heard it before. I know you have. Jesus taught this in, in, the, in the Gospels. He said, you know, it's not just killing somebody that's, that's a sin, right? Whosoever hateth somebody is just as guilty as if they had murdered him. 
And we've heard that before. It's along the same lines of those that um, lust for somebody else. It's just as guilty of, a, of adultery. It's the same thing. It's a heart issue, not just an action issue. All murder is is the act of hate. That's always the result of hate. Always. And, you know, there are those that have murdered. And there are those that have hated. And for whatever reason, just haven't had the opportunity to murder. Maybe it's the consequences that have kept somebody from doing it. Or, or uh, they just don't know how. Or they just don't, you know. But hate eventually, left unchecked, will result in murder. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why Jesus makes that correlation. If you start to hate, that's down that, that road toward murder. Don't hate your brethren. And of course, John here, I, I believe, is, is really focusing on those within the church. Don't hate other Christians. But of course, I think Jesus would also make the... We're to love all, right? Think about those ones that left the church. Were they really ever saved? I don't know. We'll find out in heaven. But maybe not. Maybe there were those that weren't, but we're still to love them, right? We have that example. And then he says, No murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, before you get off on this line of thinking... That, wow, man, so if you commit murder, can you be saved? Or can you be saved, commit murder, and still be saved? Thoughts? I'm sorry? No, absolutely not. But you can see where some would take this scripture and say, well, there you go. It says, right, you can lose your... Salvation? Well, no, that's not what it's teaching. No, and we have biblical account of that very thing. David, a man after God's own heart, right? Slew Uriah. He was down a terrible spiral, wasn't he? And jealousy and hate entered him, and it turned into murder. Anybody doubt David's salvation? No. No. Now, does the Psalms tell us that David suffered? David suffered because of that until he got right with God, right? He got right with God. Um, it gets in the way of your fellowship with God. Of course. It's going to create a barrier there. You're not going to have the same... Um, Blessings or benefits that if your relationship was uh, good with God, obviously, until you get that right with God. Now, again, we're not just saying murder. We're saying hate. Anybody ever done you wrong and, and you, you, you go through a season of really disliking them? I was always taught hate's a tough, bad word. You don't hate people, right? But all that really taught me is just not to say it. 
<laughs> yeah, well, am I right? There's still those folks that I just really dislike. I had a struggle this year with that very topic, on that very topic, and still working through it, but um, it's something that is getting better with the help of God's interaction. More than disliking somebody, I guess. Maybe I'm putting it on a yeah, scale. It is, but actually, according to Scripture, it's... It's, if you don't love them, then you hate them. If I dislike somebody, it doesn't mean I'm going to be nasty to them or unkind to them. Yeah. It just means I probably won't be involved with them very much. Yeah. Which maybe is not right. Yeah, I think scripturally, you know, John's telling us that if you don't love them, and, and if we continue in, in this, uh, on, in verse 16, hereby perceive we the love of God. Here's the example we have to give for love. He laid down His life for us. So what example do we have to follow to love somebody? Jesus set that example for us. And He laid down His life for all of us because He loved us. That's the, that's the equivalent of love. Now, you're like, okay. Ken, I love you, man. But I don't know if I'm going to be crucified for you tomorrow, right? Would, but... Would we? I mean, there are those extraordinary examples, and we've heard of them, of folks that have laid down their life for others. I look at the military as an example. Just that's an easy example to give, or or, or fire department or, or first responders. You know, those people that put their lives in line for for others. Yeah, there's a love there. I hope. I hope there's a love there beyond just duty. I hope there's a love for people. But the chance of me being put in the circumstance of having to die for Ken here, probably not going to happen. But what if it did? What if it did? Would I be willing to do that? That's, that's each one of us, you know, that's tough. But that's the example. John's telling us that's the example we should be willing to follow. Now, maybe it's more along the lines of Ken just has a need and I need to be giving myself to help him. That's where I, I'm kind of sacrificing the things and the time that I would normally be doing because I'm helping Ken as a brother. That's the application for us, you know, maybe more so than laying down our life. That's one of my wife's students not liking her teaching. I told her she should have prepped more. Um, but we should be willing to sacrifice our time. If somebody calls for help, do you immediately uh, put down whatever you're doing if it's, if it's doable and say, you know what, I'm going to be there, I want to help. Um, you know, several years ago, got a call, you know, one of our elderly members, he's like, man, I, I want to be able to get to church, but my, uh, it's the only vehicle, I can't get it started. I'll be right there. You know, are you, do you, have you, are you willing to do that? You know, are you willing to just, if they call, or maybe you just call them and take some time? You see they have a need, are you willing to 
help financially with that need. Look at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? This, that is so impactful. He's saying those, there are those that have means. When I say have means, they have wealth. Now, don't think wealth like we do in America, right? And you're thinking, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not really wealthy. Yeah, you are compared to everybody else in this world. All of us are wealthy compared to most. I can think of several folks here in town that are homeless. I guarantee they consider everybody in this room wealthy compared to the lowest need that's out there. Do we have the ability that if we see one of our brothers in need that we don't open up our pocketbook and say, let me help you? Let me help you? And I, I know that that's done in this church behind the scenes most times. I, I very seldom hear of a need, and I think that's because they're met. Because a church this size, I guarantee their needs out, are out there. And they're being met when we're aware of them. I, I do see uh, some of the, the financials. And, and so I know uh, some of the needs that are out there. And, the, and, the, and the, the, there's folks that give toward benevolence so those needs can be met. So those needs can be met. And it's so awesome to be in a church that does that. And it just says a lot about the love that our congregation has for each other. Mm-hmm. Yet, the cautionary tale is, you know, keep up, you know, keep going. There's always going to be a need that needs to be met, whether it's time or money or something. That's how you show you love somebody. Don't let that seed of hate or just not loving them. Remember the example for love. And we're commanded to love, not just to not hate. Right? So, you know, that's, that's a good point for us. And then he finishes up in verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You can't just say, I love somebody. Prove it. Prove it. Put your money where your mouth is, right? As the saying goes, you know. How are your works? Do they equal what you're professing? So I just challenge each one of us as we kind of get into this new season. I, I love New Year's. I love Christmas and I love New Year's. It's just a renewal sometimes. Everybody, you kind of can start on a little bit of a clean slate. The year 2022 is in the, in the rearview mirror, right? Mark it down. Done. What's, what's the story for 2023 going to be? You know, is there something that you can do and the next month is going to be great with our stewardship? I'm sure Pastor will begin talking about it. What can, is there something else you can do here at Central through the ministries that benefit other members? You know, maybe it's just uh, we'll get, we'll start and do some ministry stuff uh, for missions giving. 
Maybe it's just you want to up your missions giving this year. Man, you know what? Probably the most exciting, one of the most exciting things I can't wait to hear when we get to heaven is the impact that our missions giving and the and our missions outreach has had. Because we don't have a, really you don't have an idea, do you? But you're, but you're loving people by doing that. So that's just an example. So, all right. Good old kids. Yeah, you guys are easier to teach. I guarantee. <laughs> I wouldn't teach a group like that. <laughs> that might be a little rough. But yeah, we love them, right? Ken, how about release us in prayer, please, sir. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. Uh, new year, new...